Well, hey, welcome uh, everyone out there in virtual New Life land. It, uh, it's great to be with you. New Life virtual land. I just made <laughs> I, that up. Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever heard that before. I, I haven't either. <laughs> but there you go. Well, we're so glad uh, to be with you guys this morning. And uh, last week, uh, it was great to be able to celebrate our risen king and uh, Jesus' victory over uh, the devil and mm-hmm. over death and over hell. And so this week, um, we're going to realize and see that it wasn't the first time that Jesus um, had a fight and mm-hmm. ha- had to wrestle uh, with things at all. Um, and uh, today, we're going to uh, look at a passage where Jesus was in the wilderness and had to face temptation mm-hmm. with the devil. And um, we're looking forward to talking about how Jesus um, demonstrates uh, what total dependence on the Father looks like and how we might be able to overcome temptation. So would you pray with us this morning? God, we are, we are grateful um, to be here together. We're grateful to uh, have your word, uh, which is unchanging. God, as we um, think about and um, talk to you this morning, as we read your word about you this morning, God, that uh, you would meet with us as your scripture promises. God, that you would teach us, God, so that we might be changed. And God, that uh, we might know you better as a result of being together and being in your word um, together today. For it's in the great um, and powerful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as uh, we were preparing for this morning, uh, I stumbled across a couple of interesting quotations by Oscar Wilde, and uh, they're fitting for our topic this morning. Uh, You might be familiar with the first one, if not the second one. Uh, Oscar Wilde said this, he says, I can resist anything but temptation. I'm not sure that's too helpful, but, uh, but, but that's what he said. And I think that's probably true for a lot of people. Um, but what he said after that I found really fascinating. He says, the only way to get rid of temptation is to yield to it. I think Jesus would disagree with that. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I don't think that's the way that we ought to handle it. So this morning, we're going to be taking a look at Jesus' temptations in the wilderness. We're going to look at how he responded to them, how he handled those temptations. And in so doing, we're going to, to learn ourselves how to overcome temptation. Awesome. However, it may not be what most people think. Hmm. Because I think as we come to this passage, it's so familiar to us that um, we, we probably feel like, well, we know where this is going, mm. okay? I, I think you may be surprised as we move along. So why don't we just jump right in? If you have your Bibles there at home, turn over to Luke chapter 4, and we'll start by reading the first couple of verses. I'll give you just a second to get there. Uh, I'll be reading out of the English Standard Version here this morning. In verse 1, we read, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. I think that might have been a little bit of an understatement there after 40 days. I think the longest I've ever gone without food has been like four days. I cannot comprehend 40 days without food. Yeah. Uh, but yet that's what Scripture right. says. Jesus went 40 days without food. And, and I think it's important to understand the context of, of, of what's happening here because Jesus is coming off of what we might call a, 
a ministry high yeah. at his baptism. Um, he, he, you have to remember, Jesus began his earthly ministry there at his baptism. And as he's going into the water to be baptized by John the Baptist, we're told that the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. Hmm. And then there was a voice from heaven that said, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Have you ever imagined like what that moment actually was like? You know, I mean, obviously, if if you were Jesus, what an affirmation from your father. But to be in the crowd and to see that and to hear that, you know, who is this man? There's a voice from heaven speaking. This is my son. Was it like, (laughs) you know, bright light shining? Did everyone get it? I wonder these questions. I, I don't know, but certainly it was it was it what you would call a high. Yeah. This was a high point in Jesus's life. And before we go any further, I think it, it might be you know helpful to us just to camp here for a minute and to think about those words. I mean, what did Jesus do up to this point? Well, he was born. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He grew up as a kid. Yeah. He obeyed his parents. Mm-hmm. He learned stuff. And God was well pleased with him. There you go, kids. <laughs> well, you know, to me, it really just jumped off the pages at me because we, we kind of associate God being pleased with us by doing stuff yeah. for him. And we don't realize that, that God is more interested in who we are and our character than what we do for him. And the fact that God the Father says at this point in Jesus's life, before he began his preaching ministry, before he healed people, before he rose from the dead, that God was well pleased with him. I, I, to me, that gives me hope in my life because I don't think I'm ever going to do any of those things, but God can still be pleased with me. Well, that's it, folks. That's all you need to know today. Um, God loves you, even if you don't do stuff for him. It's been great. Have a great great week. Yeah, we we could end there, but we're not going to. We're not going to. uh, Because from from Jesus' baptism, Jesus was then led by the Holy Spirit Mm. into the wilderness. Um, and, and, And I find this very informative, too, because... You know, Jesus came to earth for a reason. He, he had a mission. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. But rather than being led to the masses, rather than being led right to Jerusalem for a triumphal entry or, or even to the cross, he, he goes to the wilderness. Yeah. He goes away from everybody. And the Holy Spirit led him there. Yes, Yes. And throughout Jesus's ministry, we see this pattern where he pulls away constantly, even from his own disciples, um, to to be alone with the Father, Mm -hmm. to draw strength from him, to commune with him. And and as I was thinking about Jesus being led into the wilderness, I, I also thought, you know, I think most of us, when we find ourselves in a wilderness type situation, I don't know if we ever think that maybe God might be leading us there. Just as God led Jesus, that maybe he's wanting to do something in us um, to prepare us for what lies ahead. Um, Well, to even think about, you know, and what what are some of those wilderness moments for us? You know, when um, maybe, maybe it's a difficult moment where you've lost a job or you were passed over for a promotion, or um, something, you know, when you're younger, 
when uh, you're having a significant difficulty with friends in the neighborhood or at school or mm-hmm. um, you feel like you're alone or isolated. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of wilderness moments. Um, for us COVID-19? That, going through that, that? That could feel like a wilderness moment. Yeah, for a lot of people, for sure. So, you know, as, as we go through those moments, you know, we have a choice. We can either chafe against what God is doing mm-hmm. or we can surrender to his will um, and allow him to do a work in us. And and this passage demonstrates for us Jesus's complete dependence on the Father, which is absolutely incredible. He, he shows us what it looks like and, and in so doing tells us how important our relationship with the Father is. That, you know, for most of us, if we were honest, um, it's much easier to do for God than it is to be with God. Yeah. Um, that's, that's true for me. I'm a doer. Yep. Yep. Uh, I like doing stuff. I like making people happy. Um, I like that kind of approval Mm -hmm. that comes with it. But I think what Jesus is showing us here is that we need to take care of our own souls first if we're going to care for others. Mm. So especially if you're in any type of leadership position, or even as a parent, to lead your family, to lead your, your children. You know, you've probably heard that saying, you, you can't lead somebody any further than you've gone yourself. It's so important that we follow Jesus's lead in communing with the Father, in seeking the Father, in praying, and being strengthened from within so that we can do what it is that he has called us to do. Okay. So let's look at verse 3, move on to verse 3. It says, the devil said to him, If you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Now, I I think when we read Luke's account, we we may not get a sense of the timing of this because Satan did not approach Jesus on day one. Yeah. In fact, Matthew uh, seems to indicate that he didn't come until after Jesus' 40 days of fasting in the wilderness. Mm. Why do you suppose that might be? (laughs) Well, I think if, if I was strategic and wanting to tempt somebody, I would probably go to them at their weakest moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that's my guess, too, that, that Satan understood that he would be in a, a weakened condition. He would be most vulnerable at this point. Uh, of course, Scripture says he was hungry. Um, again, I would have been hungry much sooner, but he was hungry. Yeah. And he comes with that first temptation mm-hmm. for food. And and I find it fascinating, too, that it's the same temptation that he hits Adam and Eve with Hmm. in the garden. You know, fruit and bread. Because it's a very basic human need. Um, Hunger. Jesus was was hungry. And and the enemy is crafty. He knows um, that the best time to attack is when we're at our weakest, most vulnerable state, when we're tired, when we're irritable, when we're stressed out, um, it, we can expect it. Now, he will come to us even in the highs, though, because you have yeah. to remember, Jesus went into the wilderness to be with his father, right? Satan showed up there. Yeah. So Satan can show up even when you're praying mm-hmm. to, test, to test you and, and to yeah. tempt you. So um, now, when, when I look at this passage and I think about this very first temptation, you know, it, with Satan tempting Jesus with, with food, he's trying to get Jesus to use his power to satisfy a legitimate need mm. in an illegitimate way. 
Yeah. That's, that's really what's going on here. And in verse 3, and then later in verse 9, you know, the devil says, if you are the son of God. Yeah. Now, I don't think G, uh, the devil is questioning Jesus's identity or his sonship. Um, I think uh, what, what Satan is getting at here is he wants him to misuse his sonship. It's as if he is saying, if you are the son of God, and I believe that you are, then why go hungry? Yeah. Take the stone. You have the power. Turn it into bread. Satisfy your hunger. And in verse 4, we see how Jesus responds. Yeah. And Jesus answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Yeah. When it's interesting here, um, you know, he, he starts by saying it is Written, written. Yeah. and you know, for for everybody out there that's um, working on memorizing scripture as a discipline, whether it's in a D group or you're doing it on your own, uh, here here we have a moment where um, Jesus had been disciplined earlier in his life um, to memorize um, scripture, and he's using it here in the the midst of difficult time and, and temptation. So, if you're out there and you are working on memorizing scripture, don't give up. Mm -hmm. um, keep at it. Um, God has a use for it in our lives, and especially here in moments of temptation. Mm -hmm. uh, but we do see um, that Jesus doesn't give in to temptation. And re his response tells us that there must be something here more important than food. Mm -hmm. And we have to remember, um, we're not just talking about he's bored um, at home during COVID-19, yeah. so he wants to go eat something. Um, he is, he's been 40 days, potentially, mm -hmm. without food. I mean, 40 days, no food. And um, so we see that uh, Luke doesn't necessarily tell us what that something that's more important is, but Matthew does in uh, mm -hmm. chapter 4 and verse 4. He says, but he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So we see here that uh, he says that it is written, and Jesus is quoting Old Testament scripture mm -hmm. to the devil. So if you look at uh, Deuteronomy um, 8, uh, verse 3, you can turn there if you want. We're just going to read it real quick. It says, And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, mm -hmm. but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Uh, we see that um, certainly um, our bodies need food. Uh, we desire that. We need that to be able to survive. That's the way God has designed us. But we also need food for our souls. Yeah. We need that. And as we feast on God's word, look at um, verse 5. And it says, And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. And if you then will worship me, it will all be yours. <laughs> and Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. So imagine just that moment where you know, you're being shown all of the kingdoms of the world. And you know, there's certainly some debate whether um, Satan had the ability to actually give him all of the kingdoms of the world or not, but he tells him that he's going to um, if uh, Jesus will just bow down and worship him. Mm -hmm. And 
to think about the ramifications if Jesus had actually given into that temptation. Yeah. It, mean, it would have been over. Done. <laughs> the, the plan of redemption, done. Yeah. It, it would not have come to fruition. Yeah, but he didn't. And so even in the midst of these moments, to, to remember and realize that um, how we respond to temptation matters. And it just doesn't matter for us, us in a given moment. It, it matters for a long time, and it affects us and other people. So I encourage you, stay, stay strong here. Um, so here, would you, we realize that Satan is clearly trying to get Christ to doubt the goodness of God mm-hmm. here in this moment. Um, we realize, too, as we said before, that Satan, um, uh, we, he is the God of this world, but also that the Father had already promised to give Jesus all of these kingdoms and that Satan was offering a shortcut. And um, Jesus clearly realizes no shortcut to glory. Yeah, and isn't that the way he works with us, too? You know, he, he promises these shortcuts. Yeah. Um, you know, temptation is always a shortcut to something. Yeah. You know, something desirable, something good. And most of the time, a lot of these things are things that God wants to give us. Um, but we don't want to wait on him and, and his timing. We want to rush ahead. And so we, we buy the lie and we fall for his tricks. Yeah. What do you think about um, people who are wrestling with addictions, which we all kind of are on different levels probably, uh-huh. and the, um, the desire to um, have the endorphin rush, in essence, of, of giving in to the temptation. You know, certainly there's guilt and shame that comes along with giving in to temptation, but uh, there's something in us that, in, particularly if there's a... A temptation that's strong in us, or a sin that's strong, pulls us hard. Uh, we know that if we would just give in, much like Oscar Wilde said in that beginning quote, mm-hmm. if we would just give in to temptation, then we can overcome it mm-hmm. and we can move on. And there's something in us that um, wants to uh, resist um, doing the right thing sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, so we realize uh, Jesus responds in um, Deuteronomy 6, verse 13, and 1 Samuel 7, verse 3. He says, You um, shall, shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Jesus, again, quotes Scripture. Check out uh, verse 9. It says, And he took him to Jerusalem. He set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, again, the if question, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. Satan is even using scripture (laughs) Uh (laughs) to kind of twist it, um, which is interesting. Yeah, He's using it against the guy who wrote it. I mean, (laughs) he's using it against Jesus. He he thinks he's going to win the sword drill against Jesus. (laughs) Yes, which I I have nightmares of sword drills as a kid. Uh I don't know if you out there have nightmares of sword drills. I was the kid that never won. Um, I was always like in fifth or sixth place, never good enough to be in the top three, so I never got to get the candy mm-hmm. in junior church growing up. Oh, still bothers me. So I, I bought, I saved up uh, enough money, went to the little store we had in our church. I bought one of those Bibles with the tabs on it, you know, which I still had no idea what the, the three letters or the four letters meant uh-huh. of them, but I, I thought, man, this, these tabs are going to help me win the sword drill. It didn't. I was still awful at sword drills, and I still kind of am uh, awful at them. But anyway, in verse 12, uh, Jesus answered him, um, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. 
Wow. Yeah, that, that last verse, um, maybe we'll come back to it in, in just a little bit. That really just stood out to me as you were reading that. Uh, I find it interesting, too, that uh, even though, you know, Jesus quoted Scripture the first two times and Satan did it. Third time, of course, Satan quotes Scripture. And if you look closely at Psalm 91, you'll you'll realize he misquoted it. Um, so surprise, shocking, yeah, you know. So um, anyway, Jesus, you know, responds. But but I want you to see in, in Deuteronomy chapter six, uh, verse thirteen, um, we read that it is. This is what Jesus is quoting. Yeah. Now he says, "It is the Lord your God you shall fear." Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. For the Lord your God is in your midst, is a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from the face of the earth. That's heavy. It is heavy. And, and what you have to take away from this is that, you know, God is to be feared. He is to be served. He is to be worshiped. He is not to be tested. You, if there's one thing you don't want to do, you don't want to test God. And, and the, you know, the devil lost this fight because he departed from him. But it says for an opportune time. Mm-hmm. And what that tells me is the devil doesn't give up easily. Yeah. And and he was biding his time, waiting for the right time in which he could come again and attack Jesus. Um, and I think as, as far as application for us goes is it tells us that we need to be as vigilant after victory as we do in preparing for the battle. Mm. Because Satan doesn't rest. Just because we have a victory today doesn't mean we're going to have a victory tomorrow. We have got to be alert. Um, and, you know, and Jesus is dealing directly, of course, you know, with, with Satan here. Uh, most of us, if not all of us, have never encountered Satan personally. Yeah, it's um, interesting because most of us think we have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, remember the old Flip Wilson, the devil made me do it? You yes. probably don't. Probably before I, his time. I don't time, remember that, but, but I know the quote. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, and, and sometimes we blame the devil for everything. Yeah. You know, and, and really the devil has very little to do with daily uh, uh, activities of, of, of humankind. Now, he influences the world. He has minions that he controls. There are a limited number of demons in the world, but there's only one devil, and he's not omnipresent. He cannot be everywhere at, yeah. at the same time as God is. And yeah. even if he were to show up, Okay, he's not going to show up in a red suit with a pitchfork in a pointy tail. Uh, he's much more subtle than that. Now he may show up posed as an angel of light. Yeah, you, you, your, your your mind's churning. I can uh, see that. <laughs> I just, so you're telling me that the devil does not look like what he did on the old Tom and Jerry cartoons? No, where no. he's there on your on one shoulder. Uh, and when, you know, of course, the angel is over here on the yeah. other one, and he's not this red, pointy-eared, pointy-tail guy. Yeah. And are you also telling me that I can hereby no longer officially actually say the devil made me do it? 
as no longer I, I, a good I, enough excuse. I, 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 think, I think unless you are such a threat to the kingdom of darkness <laughs> that Satan has to personally intervene, no. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, 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 so, and so now this raises some interesting implications and applications from this text mm. because Satan doesn't have to personally show up to do battle with us to get us to do what it is that he would want us to do. I think James makes that really clear in James uh, chapter 1, verse 14. James writes and he says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Our own sinful nature, our flesh, yeah. is sufficient to, to entice us to sin. Yeah. Now, of course, there's a corresponding external stimuli but, it, but it's appealing to something that's in us, and we're drawn away by our, our lusts for yeah. it. Yeah. Um, now, earlier, I said that in this passage, we're going to learn how to overcome temptation, but that it may not be what most people think. Mm. So here it is. It may not be what you're thinking, and hopefully I can make this clear, but most Christians, when they uh, approach this passage, including pastors and preachers, believe that this text is giving us a model, that Jesus is actually giving us a model for how to do spiritual warfare, how to com com combat Satan. Um, I think it, that's a secondary application, hmm. uh, and I'll, I'll explain why. And, and first, let me also say this. I think, it, like you said, it is good and beneficial that we memorize Scripture, hmm. that we quote Scripture, that we quote it out loud to ourselves often. Yeah. And God will use it, obviously, as we share the gospel with other people. And I find it helpful in dealing with temptation. But I don't think that that's the, the primary application that we should take from this passage. This story was not given to us so that we would know how to fight Satan. Hmm. Number one, we've already discussed, we probably won't encounter him, yeah. okay? Um, but like his baptism, I believe this story was given to us so that we might believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Right. Because when you look back at chapter 3, that's the emphasis, is, is the identity of Christ. Who is Jesus? Verse 38, the very last verse in chapter 3, it ends with Jesus' genealogy and the very last thing says, the Son of God. Wow. And now here in this passage, you have the devil saying, if you are the Son of God, mm -hmm. twice. So I think that that's the main issue here is the identity of Christ and who is Christ. And by overcoming temptation, now this is where it gets really good, by overcoming temptation, Jesus proves that he is the true and better Adam. Mm. Whereas Adam faced temptations in the garden and succumbed to them, Jesus, the new Adam, is in the wilderness and he overcomes those temptations. It always goes back to the gospel, doesn't it? It does. It does. The whole, whole of scripture is God writing out his story of redemption mm -hmm. for mankind. Yeah. That's so and, and And where this really connects to the whole redemption narrative is, is that if Jesus had succumbed, as we talked about earlier, at any point here, yeah. 
he would have failed to have been, been our great high priest that we know in the book of Hebrews tells us he is able to sympathize with all of our weaknesses because he was tempted in every way such as we are, yet he was without sin. And so Jesus passed the test here so that he could usher in salvation to us at a later point. And, and if that's not, you know, clear enough. I, I think the main application is here is that when we are tempted, we are to flee to Jesus. Mm. We are to run to him. We are not strong enough to stand toe to toe in box with Satan. Um, I, I don't care how much scripture you know. Um, I find it interesting that Paul, uh, when he writes to Timothy, he doesn't say, Timothy, fight youthful lust. No. What does he say? Flee youthful lusts. And uh, over in 1 Corinthians, one of my favorite uh, passages, it's uh, chapter 10, verse 13. And I find this really uh, personally my favorite because um, my birthday is October 13th, so 10, 13. I, just, it, I felt like this passage was written is, for is me. Is that kind of like a Jesus baptism moment? Oh, there's doves coming down. Well, this birth. was one of the first <laughs> passages of scripture that I remember reading after I became a Christian. Oh. And of course, at that time, you know, uh, my, my approach to Bible study was a little bit different. <laughs> That's funny. You read 1 Corinthians. For me, it was Ecclesiastes. Everything is meaningless. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I still love, I love uh, that. It's my favorite book yeah. of the Bible. Well, yeah. well let me read it. Yeah. Uh, verse 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Mm. And, and if you've got a pen, you might want to underline some of these words or, or circle them. Um, I, I, I like the fact that Jesus says, beyond your ability. And he says uh, also the word escape and the word endure. Mm. You can kind of see this pattern that, that when it comes to temptation, we need to find that path of escape, and Jesus is our escape. Um, he will help us endure. And I really like what this one pastor uh, said about this. Um, he, he said this. He said, in our temptations, our best strategy is to run to Jesus. He is our strength and shield. He is our high priest who prays and intercedes for us. He is our victory and our confidence. However well we know the word of God, let us not begin to think that we know it so well that we don't need to first flee to Jesus, our high priest who has overcome the temptation on our behalf. That's powerful. It is. As you think about this idea of, of fleeing to Jesus, and you, you kind of begin to put that in context to currently what much, if not all, of our um, society is going through, mm -hmm. and begin to try to figure out what, how does this apply to us? And you begin to think about, okay, well, what, how are we handling the, the current temptation? What are those temptations? They're, they're probably all much still the same. Some are heightened, you know, mm -hmm. fear. Um, to, to grab power, maybe um, maybe a sense of laziness um, is starting to overtake us a little bit um, as we're kind of stuck in our homes. 
And raiding the grocery stores for toilet paper. And, yes. Yeah. Are, are you saying that's a sin? <laughs> it might be akin to turn these stones into bread. I don't know. <laughs> that would be interesting. Um, I have no plans to eat uh, bread that was made from toilet paper. No plans. But as you think about um, this idea of fleeing the temptation, fleeing to Jesus in our current um, culture and current society, um, we have to realize a couple of things. Uh, one, um, Satan very much wants us to be in fear. He very mm-hmm. much wants us um, to doubt God's character, mm-hmm. to doubt his, um, his power, to doubt his goodness, um, his, goodness, his mm-hmm. care, his love, um, all, all of the things, all of the character of God. He wants us to doubt God's character. And we oftentimes do that when we take our eyes off of him mm-hmm. and we begin to focus on the problem and we stop looking at Jesus, much like Peter, as we talked yeah. about a few weeks yeah. ago, um, they're walking on the water. He wants us to question whether um, God's going to provide for us, whether God's going to care for us. Has God forgotten about us? Is God going to protect us? Um, he wants us to doubt these things, and mm-hmm. not just doubt those things, but doubt, doubt God, God himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wants us to panic. He wants us to turn away um, from him, and he wants us to turn away from even one another mm-hmm. as the body of Christ. And and you know, if we're honest, you know, there's there is certainly some uncertainty um, coming. You know, there's, it's mm-hmm. certainly here now. And you know, for us, we're we're thinking about that, praying about that uh, much, and talking about it. And there, there's even coming a time when um, Christians, followers of Christ, are going to want to turn not toward each other um, for support. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's actually going to be tension among the body of Christ yeah. because we might have different views about what the next steps are mm. um, for our church in the United States and throughout the world. Well, why do you why do you think you know we have this uh, you know hashtag we are all in this together kind of yeah. thing? It, it's because we we know I think instinctively or inherently that when when pressure builds up that there is a temptation. Um, to look out for number one, yeah. to take care of me and myself and my family, and and not to be looking out for our neighbors, and mm-hmm. and so for us, it's it's a reminder. No, we we are all in this together. We are our brother's keeper. We cannot just merely look out for our own interests. Yeah, because the the enemy is prowling, mm-hmm. and he wants to come to us and tempt us in our weakest moments. Yeah. And First Peter uh, five eight and nine says this. It, it says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to, to devour. Mm. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Yeah. <laughs> there, there you have it. Uh, what a verse. Um, for us to be um, sober-minded, for us to turn mm-hmm. to the Lord, realizing that... Um, Christians all across the world are experiencing the same kinds of things mm. we are, and God desires for us um, to stay together, and when there's temptation, we're to flee yeah. to Him. So I think just a couple things that uh, we want to remind um, you of um, today, and what it looks like to overcome temptation, and to realize that we have the same spiritual resources that Jesus did yeah. uh, there in that moment. Mm-hmm. 
we have the Heavenly Father, um, just the same as Jesus did, did and does. Uh, we have the Holy Spirit uh, that resides within us um, as God desires to, to live through us. And, and as Paul also reminds us in Scripture that we are to walk in step with the Spirit. You know, for me, and, and the guys around here will tell you, staff, um, I'm trying to figure things out, you know, um, five days, 10 days, 30 days, you know, six months from now, I'm trying to figure those pieces out and understand them and develop a plan. And it's a good reminder to me that that same Holy Spirit resides within me. And what God asks of me isn't to figure out the future, mm-hmm. but it's to walk in step with him. Uh, to also be reminded, uh, just like Jesus, we have God's word yeah. um, to teach us, um, to train us, to be encouraged by, to be rebuked by. Um, all of those things, um, we have the word of God. And um, for us, um, that we also, we have Jesus. Yeah, we, we understand the gospel. And we understand what it means that um, Jesus came to earth and lived perfectly, never sinned, never gave in to temptation, um, so that he could be that perfect sacrifice for us to die for our sins, taking the place of us on the cross, so that we might have the opportunity uh, to confess our sin to him and be forgiven and uh, be set free and to spend eternity with him in heaven. And there's no other message um, that's more important for us to, to really think about and to ponder. And if that's not you this morning, that you've never had that moment where you've confessed um, that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he did come, he did live a perfect life, um, he did uh, lay down his life for us as a sacrifice so that we might be forgiven. You haven't, and you haven't turned from that sin, repented from it, and turned to Jesus. There's no better day than today to do that. Um, so we want you to know a couple of things as we close. Um, God is still working today. He's working here uh, in this room where we are. He's working in our lives. He's working in your life. Um, even though things might be chaotic, even in your family, and your workplace, God is working mm-hmm. in those places. He's not surprised by that. God's not sitting up in heaven now that COVID-19 is here and say, oh no, what, what do we do now? Um, God, God knows this. He knew this, and God was already working in the midst of it. And uh, for us to uh, find some comfort um, in that fact, and God knows what temptations uh, you're going to face, whether it's from your own flesh, whether it's from the enemy, He knows. And uh, He is there with us in the weakest of our moments when mm-hmm. we're most vulnerable. Um, so um, a couple questions um, we want you to begin thinking about. Um, what is God doing in your life? Something to talk about uh, with your family, with your life group, with friends. You can talk about it there online and just share what, what is God doing in your life right now? Because He is. Even if you don't realize it or haven't, don't see it or haven't pondered it, God's working in your life right now. And also asking uh, the question, what, what is it that I want God to do? Um, not that um, we're going to wish this thing and God's suddenly going to do everything we ever want. But are we going to him mm-hmm. in the midst of our weakness, in the midst of our trial, our temptation? Are we taking those things to him and just sharing our heart with uh, the one who created all things in a moment? Um, God desires for us to pursue him mm-hmm. in that way. Um, so as we uh, talked about some um, interesting quotes from Oscar Wilde there in the beginning, um, we can affirm uh, from Scripture that Oscar Wilde is wrong. <laughs> yeah. 
You don't get rid of temptation by yielding to it, mm-hmm. uh, but we can share in Christ's victory over it Amen. as we flee to the one who overcame it to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can trust um, in God's word and rely on um, his power. So let's pray together. God, we, um, we just pause here in this moment. God, we want to recognize that uh, you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. God, that um, you are the one powerful enough to speak, speak all of creation into existence in a moment. And uh, you are the one powerful enough in a moment if you desire to take it all away. God, may we realize your character, your power, your presence. Yes, God, may we focus on you. May we turn our eyes away from the things that we struggle with on a day-to-day basis, and may we turn our eyes away um, from what's going on in our society right now. God, may we see you. Mm. So God, we ask that uh, you would change us and transform us. God, that we would experience your peace and your calm. God, that we would see your power um, in our lives and in others. And God, may someone come to know you as their Savior today as they repent from their sins and turn to you. So God, we love you today. It's in the great and powerful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.